and welcome to a very special edition of the Rugby Post podcast, the podcast that gives you the fans' perspective. I am your host, Josh Matthews, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Petretta. How are you today, Mike? Yeah, great, mate. How are you doing? You well? Yeah, I'm good. It's, it's, uh, it's actually interesting that we've decided to do this. You know, we've, we recorded, obviously, last Friday, um, and that's taken a little bit longer for us to edit than we thought. So we thought just give the listeners something to sort of whet the appetite for that coming out. And we thought we'd sort of give a bit of a state of the game sort of address, really. You know, it's been a, I think, highly controversial weekend, obviously, in Premiership Rugby. So five red cards in, in three games, two games. And, and I th- we just felt that it would be a good opportunity to address that. So without wasting any time, we'll just get into it this evening. You know, Mike, five red cards in two games. Where does the game go from here? Well, we have to find a way of addressing this because it's it's been sort of an increasingly frustrating view for me. This weekend epitomised a lot of what I think needs to change within the game. And people scream for consistency. But I think when the laws are made in a way that they need to be addressed prior to consistency, one incident defines the rule and sets the precedent moving forward. So obviously we saw it happen over the past couple of weekends. So then, you know, there's more public viewership of what's expected to happen when there's been head contact and yeah it's it's been really really frustrating for me how about you what, what, what were your thoughts on the weekend for me i think i'm just at the point where i am sick of red cards dominating the discussion of coming out of a, a rugby weekend i spoke to my my dad over the weekend and he seems to feel that this is something that's recent and that there's just been a spate of these red cards but i think actually if you look back I think that this weekend obviously is going to be an anomaly in the sense that we had five in, in two games. And I don't think we're going to get that. But I think that the number of red cards in the game has been increasing for a while. And obviously they're going down this route of player protection. And I, I totally understand that. But I think that is then a detriment to the product that we're now witnessing on the, on the pitch. I've listened to various referees and, and ex-players discuss this and, and they're all sort of saying the same thing that, you know, that the player safety is absolutely paramount and that's exactly, you know, what we should be looking at. But the product on the pitch is just suffering from it so badly. We are seeing so many games ruined with red cards. And I don't think that there's people out there that want to see these red cards. However, the solutions to it are very few and far between because, like we say, we have to take player safety as a number one priority in the game. Yeah, I completely agree. I think... From my side, it's something that I mentioned prior to the sort of Six Nations. I made sort of tongue-in-cheek comments saying there's more focus on high tackles than, you know, we'll be playing with 15 scrum halves because obviously these big six-foot-seven locks probably struggle to get in a position that, you know, they can tackle a scrum half without it, you know, potentially ending up in a yellow or red card. And I made that joke prior to obviously all of this stuff happening but actually it's definitely looking that way it's looking like players like locks are going to get penalized because they can get themselves in the right position but mitigation goes out of the window and actually you know head contact is now head contact apparently you know it is black and white i think we're looking at a time where yes it's it, it could have been sort of an anomaly but in the same vein i think with everything that's happened in terms of the discussions with the concussions over the recent months it's something that there's probably has been conversation from up top saying right we need to reduce these we need to be harsh and we need to make an immediate impact so if we start looking at ways of reducing contact to the head 
certainly at rucks, etc. Because more often than not, it's, it's the forwards that take the brunt of that, or at least an, an ongoing and continuous injury. That's probably an area that they're identified. But you know, there needs to be some some reason behind it, and you know, it's getting to the stage where it'll be just sort of waste waste and below tackles from a tackle perspective like they're currently trialing in the d2 and obviously the italian top 12 so there's almost provisions in place with the expectation that it's going to get to that stage which is which is kind of sad in my opinion yeah so for me i'm going to go out on a limb now and say i don't think red cards work as a deterrent because i think that if they did we would see the number of these red cards reducing because players would think you know what if i you know make contact with someone's head or i Perform a high tackle or anything like that, I'm going to get red carded. But we're not, we're actually seeing them going up. So to me, I don't see how the red card can be seen as a deterrent unless they start issuing much longer bans. Unfortunately, at the moment, a player getting a three week ban for a red card for a high tackle isn't enough, evidently, to stop them doing it. Yeah, I suppose the question I'm going to ask you is do you think it's something more systemic in regards to rugby and how it's viewed by the uh, public? Obviously, there's calls for increased participation etc but at the end of the day it is a contact sport and there's an expectation that if you go on the pitch could get injured like in every contact sport and do you feel as though this might be something that off the back of these players who are speaking out on concussions etc people have almost found the opportunity to start bubble wrapping so you know the participation levels can increase at grassroots and you know maybe Instead of soccer mums, we have rugby mums who just sit in there screaming at their kid and complaining when they've been tackled. That's, in my opinion, is where this game is going based on what I've seen this weekend. So honestly, mate, I think the question you've asked there is the million dollar question really, isn't it? Because, you know, you and I have grown up playing the game, you know, obviously not to a professional standard. So we can't talk about the hits that professionals receive, but you and I have played for the best part of 20 years and both of us, touch wood, are absolutely fine. You know, we played in a contact spot. <laughs> It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I think there are obviously inherent risks to playing a contact sport. And I think that we all accept that as players. And we would like to make it clear, I think, to everyone that we feel that the safety of the players is the number one priority. And I think we're both in agreement on that. But I would say I'm probably in agreement with you that it's a contact sport. What are people expecting when they go out there? I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, all oh, the stuff that they say, like it's it's the, the game's going soft and all those sorts of things you hear from people because I don't think that helps the argument at all. But I think what you're saying there about the game is a contact sport. So you're going to expect that you're going to have heavy hits sometimes. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't do anything about it. But I just think that people need to appreciate that if you're going to play the game, there's a chance you're going to get hurt. And I think this is this is actually more of a societal thing as well, is that we want to pass blame onto anybody other than ourselves. We're not prepared to take personal responsibility for our own actions. Do you know what? I am big enough and ugly enough to go out, decide if I want to go out there and play rugby and I know there's a chance I can get hurt. So here's a question to you. Do you think the RPA are dictating a lot of these decisions and putting forward cases on behalf of the players because ultimately the players have requested that you know these provisions are in place to protect them that being said there's definitely an element of you know this is now my job and i need to sort of keep it for as long as i possibly can whereas you know in the past there probably was people who had to retire early you know both forcefully and, and not forcefully but you know just because the, the period that they played rugby probably amounted to four or five years in, in the professional era because that was what 
was expected. But now, obviously, you see players like Wigglesworth. To a certain extent, you see players like Parise who have managed to maintain playing at a high standard for such a long time. But they're anomalies. So what is the outcome from the RPA? And do you think that has had implications in terms of these current red cards? Obviously, I don't want to comment on the motives of the RPA or necessarily the motives of the players because I don't think that necessarily we fully understand and appreciate the motives of, of the union and, and the, the players. But what I do think is that there also needs to be a look at aftercare after the game and what are the unions or the clubs doing in terms of aftercare. Because I suspect that part of the problem is that there is very little aftercare so the reason why the game is being almost sterilised and, and, you know, I use, use that word sort of not lightly, but I feel, you know, the discussion we're having now, it feels like that's the way it's going. We're sterilising the contacts completely in what is a contact spot. And I just think that if there was better aftercare there, that this maybe wouldn't be at the forefront of what's going on in the game at the moment. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because you're looking at the what we can do to, to ultimately alter this and, and and improve. And you know people like to complain, and there's never anything constructive. But I think because we love the game, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, but as much as it's frustrated me over the past weekend, it definitely feels like it's going in this downward trajectory. And it's something where you know people can complain about it. You know, particularly some of more of the traditionalists and the rugby noises of old probably saying oh this isn't the game that but it is going that way it's it's a changing sport and you know it does have to evolve to a certain extent excuse me but do you think we're in a position now where it's getting sort of too wrapped in cotton in terms of like the player participation etc and also the implications of what's going on on field now how is that affecting sort of participation because of the product and you and I have had a fairly candid conversation discussing the product and I think everyone can agree the product at the moment, or, or certainly over the past two seasons, if you're not sort of Bristol Bears and you're not the French teams or the French team, has been poor. Yeah, do you know what I'd say from the World Cup, really? Because I think there were some fabulous games in the World Cup. I was actually thinking about this as I was out on my walk today, that there were some fabulous games in the World Cup. It's really entertaining. You know, you look at Scotland, Japan, Ireland, Japan, England, New Zealand, you know, uh, Wales, France was a brilliant game in the quarterfinals. You know, there's some really entertaining rugby there. And part of me just hopes that maybe it's the pandemic. And if we can get through that, that the game will recover a little bit. But just to go back to what you're talking about, participation and, and that side of it, it's, I actually did a bit of research for our pods that we did last Friday and we never had to go around to talking about it, but it's probably pertinent to bring it up now, given that we're having this discussion. In that I came across a statistical-based website that that does analysis on on participation and, and crowds and things like that and they said that between 2018 and 2019 attendance at rugby union and viewership on tv had decreased by five percent now obviously it's way too early to state whether that's because of the increase in red cards whether the product's getting worse or not but what i would be interested to know is that if that sort of trend were to continue and probably not as drastically as that because five percent in a year is a lot you know when you're talking about viewership so if that trend were to continue in a similar vein, what would it take for the players, the RPA, the unions to think, well, actually, maybe we've gone too far? It's a really good question. I think it's probably something when it starts impacting pockets of the players, 
pockets of the clubs. And there's been a lot of investment over the past couple of years from private equity companies, CVC being one. You know, they, they, they hold a stake in the Premiership. They hold a stake in the Pro 14. They're due to hold a stake in the Six Nations. And I think actually, because the viewership is so niche, it's getting to the stage where actually these private investment companies need to come in to start proving the game and producing a better product on the field. And then obviously hoping to, to start improving the marketing tools to gain viewership from other countries. Because when you're considering sort of the general population of the UK is relatively small. And I think actually, if we're looking at other viewerships across the world, you're looking at sort of the USA as being an untapped market. You're looking at obviously Japan are growing their own domestic game. But, you know, there's there's untapped revenue there. And I think actually CVC have sort of seen that as an opportunity to grow the Six Nations. But then there's other private equity companies looking at the Sansar teams, probably thinking something very similar. So to answer your question, I think we're in a stage where there's probably some consideration that the product needs to improve for the game to sustain self-sufficiently. So it's something that is probably ongoing. And I think in some respects, yes, player safety is paramount. But if we're talking engagement into rucks, um, you know, the sort of last gladiatorial elements of the game being taken out, then it's a different game. You may as well start playing rugby league. Yeah, no, and I don't disagree with you on that at all. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about getting rid of the crock roll, whether, whether rightly or wrongly. But if they take away that, you're taking away another attacking weapon that players have to clear guys out of rooks. They're going to be left with nothing. There, there will be no way they can clear a guy out of the rook. So all that will happen is, and defences are already on top at the moment, we know that, defences will just com- be completely come king. Yeah, and I don't good. think we can afford for that to happen. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's going to be like a, a, a rugby video game where, you know, it's, it's just essentially a, a mini mall at every ruck. Or what we'll find is there'll be no competition at the ruck. They'll just allow the attacking player to, to recycle the ball and we'll have 15 players stood up at all time, like we see at goal line defence. Ultimately, that people want to speed up the game so I can see sort of arguments for and argue, arguments against that. But you're detracting so far away from what was the initial core element of the game. I think that would be enough to to turn away a lot of sort of the rugby loyalists and the traditionalists. So like I say, I think if we want an attacking game, we need to start looking at elements of what const- what is slowing the ball down at the rucks. And typically it's foul play. So if the ruck laws were refereed effectively, there probably, there probably wouldn't be time for a jackler to be there because actually we see in the scrum halves are recycling the ball quicker and quicker. And that's actually because of, last year's law changes in in and around the ruck so actually you know the jackler won't have time to to get there so maybe we should start looking at officiating the breakdown correctly and there we go no ruck do you know mike i just want to put one final point to you they developed a working group last year where they had a load of ex-players referees and and people within the game to, to look at the laws i think it was around the ruck if i remember correctly and they looked at the crock roll no fans so no representative from fan groups there. And we're the ones who empty our pockets to go watch them play. And I think that speaks volumes that, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure they really care about the fans and the product that's on the pitch. They care about their own bubble. Yeah, see, that in itself, the fact that you feel that way, I think speaks volumes of how, how much has changed. And obviously, we don't want to have such a negative podcast. And it'd be really interesting to hear it, sort of your thoughts, if you think it is just a lull in post-coronavirus and maybe you know players are unfit and you know there's other sort of mitigating factors as to why we're seeing this increase in red cards but 
for me, I completely agree with you. As a Quinns fan, very happy with the result last weekend, very happy with the refereeing last weekend, but I watched almost all the other games Barca at the Pro 14, and I didn't appreciate the product on the field because of some of the officiating decisions. So completely agree. And listen, it's not about us being pessimists, etc. It's about us only commenting on you know what we can see. And if it is a short-term thing, be fascinated to hear what you guys think. Obviously, the rugby post with an S at gmail.com. Send in your emails. We're happy to have a discussion next week in regards to it. But for me, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and do you know what, Mike? You've actually just made a really interesting point there. Whether you meant to make it or not, I'm not entirely sure. But I think the point is that we wouldn't be speaking like this if we didn't care. And I think that's the point, is that we do care about the game and we want to see it exciting. We want to see it successful. So, you know, like Mike said, if you feel that we've been a bit negative this evening, then obviously, you know, I think with five red cards in two games, you know, I think we felt that we needed to have a bit of an address of what's going on. As Mike says, please get in contact with us and have a chat with us about it because we'd be really interested to get the views of other people out there. One final point from me, guys. I'd love to hear maybe some of the resolutions that you guys have come up with speaking to your friends. Obviously, Josh and I have come up with some some ideas, maybe some outlandish, some not. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my ideas was having sort of a minimum ruck height. So it's actually down to the defender to get their head out of a, a meter and, you know, 20, for example. So it's like ground it, clearance. Yeah. So just, so just yeah. so like it puts some onus on, you know, the defender to put their heads in, in a safe place. You know, maybe that will work. Maybe it won't. I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts. So if you guys have any other ideas, love to hear them. Cheers for that, buddy. I think we'll wrap there for the evening. Thanks for your time, as always. Um, I've been your host, Josh Matthews, joined by Mike Petretta, and that was rugby. Thank you very much.